This episode of the Listen In Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Just kidding. The Listen In Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Please tell your friends about the podcast if you've been enjoying it. If you have a music lover in your family or in your friend group, let them know. We think they'll enjoy it. Um, Also, give us a subscription on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud or Stitcher, and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Let's start the show. Welcome to another episode of the Listen In Podcast. It is episode 29. We're nearing the end of our 20s, hitting our 30s, Jake. Big time sort of emotional crisis coming up. When we hit 30 next year, we're going to do something. We're going to probably get a tattoo on our ankle. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do something that like we normally wouldn't. But, we're, we're tr- but it actually has no consequences. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna like we're gonna do something irrational, like like I said, a tattoo, or we'll like buy a sports car. Yeah, that we cannot afford. <laughs> no. And we find out like a few days later that like, uh oh, another kid's on the way. <laughs> like maybe we gotta sell the sports car. <laughs> and too bad I we dropped four hundred bucks on this this ankle tattoo. It's a shamrock. <laughs> That's it's coming for episode 30, so you're going to have a couple frazzled uh, uh, versions of Jake and Sean. Yeah, 30s are going to be rough, but luckily we're still in our 20s. We can we still party it up. We can still pretend like we're in college. We That's can still right. pretend like we're just out of school. And this episode is a party. It is, because we're talking our favorite albums of 2016 so far. Can you believe, first of all, that it's already, June's almost over already? We're, we're halfway through the year. It's it's incredible. And looking back at all the albums that we've listened to this year and all the great stuff that's come out, it's uh, it, it gets to the point where even in June, it's hard to believe some of the albums that came out in January came out this year. Uh, yeah, we I mean, I understand that it's all relative because you could make the argument like in January, albums that came out in December were just a month ago, and so we're actually a lot farther away from that. Right. But still, like we tend to think about things in in calendar years, right. and so it's weird to think like David Bowie and some of those albums came out yeah in this year too. Think back to that Bowie, Dive, Anderson Pack, those types of albums Chairlift. feel like forever ago. They really do. I don't know. It just puts into perspective how fast our lives are moving by, how we don't even notice it. It's gone in the blink of an eye. You know who doesn't think about that at all? Is Shock Jock Jock. Shock Jock Jock lives in the moment. He does. Stay tuned at the end of the episode, everyone, because our boy Shock Jock Jock came on. And he did his top five just before that. He only had like five, ten minutes to spare. But he he told us first of all that our lists were terrible, <laughs> yeah, and that his lists were better. So stay tuned. I think you'll be interested to hear Some his list. interesting picks from Jacques Jacques Jacques. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that basically just turned into Jacques 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 Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> but um, so this is going to be an interesting episode. It was a it was a wild couple days for me because I had ranked nothing up until last That's right. night. So last night I went into our nerdy spreadsheet and ranked. Everything, well, most of the albums I've listened to this year, all the ones I knew were in contention. And we also had a lot of good Twitter feedback uh, from listeners. We, we reached out for top five, top ten lists, so we got some, we compiled them and, and ranked them. So we're, at the end of the episode, we're going to say what the <coughs> listeners poll says about favorite albums of the year. Yeah, Friends of the Pod came through big time. They do. Big Friends of the Pod. Big Friends of the Pod, everybody. Every, too many to... So, Jake, I guess we can start. Like, let's talk about how many albums we listened to quickly this year we have already listened to more albums in 2016 than we did in all of 2015 
that comes with the territory, I guess, when you decide, like, hey, I'm, we're going to do a podcast and take it somewhat seriously. Um, because I've listened to more music this year than it seriously any year ever yeah. by kind of a long shot. Yeah. By, by a decent amount. I think we're both around 90 in albums the 90s, that yeah. have just come out this year. That's not even counting albums we've gone back and listened to from past years. So of albums dropped from between January 1st and now, we've listened to in the 90s somewhere. Yep. Which is... Um, I gotta be honest. We had this conversation a month or two ago. It's it was too fucking many, too many. It was, and that's one of the things we discovered. We had, I think, um, a come to Jesus moment, as you've been calling yeah. it, where we were texting one another, and we realized that it was building stress because we'd look at the spreadsheet and I'd be like, Sean is two albums ahead of me, and it, we'd become like we'd we'd scheme. And we'd be like, I'm going to listen to this album, which is streaming on NPR, yeah. and I'll never know about it, yeah. so I'll get that done. And he won't be able to catch up by the time it's not streaming. Maybe he never listens, and we'd try to, like, beat each other out. Or we'd play, I, we would play Psychological Warfare, where it would be like, I'm going to listen to four EPs, because they're really quick. Yep. I'm going to put those in the spreadsheet. It's going to look like I'm four albums up, when in reality, it's just four three song EPs and it just devastates the other the other person the emotionally and mentally. It's kinda like when you're sieging a castle. Yep. Siege sieging. Seizing? See like a siege. A siege, yeah. Yeah. And it's like when you, you catapult over like the chopped off heads of, of yep. like their their brothers in arms. You're just it's it's emotional warfare. That was the the catapult was the equivalent of me listening to like that Andy Schaff album. Dude, and I was just day. like, fuck you, Jake. You are never gonna listen to this again. You probably don't like it. I actually did like it, and I will listen to it again. I haven't yet. Jake has never come across an album he hasn't liked. That's not true at all. And here's name the... one album this year you flat out didn't like. You name one. I'll name it. James Blake. Fuck that guy. Whoa, that's a hot take. No, I, I, I lay it on a little thick with James Blake. I don't mean that. I don't want to go down this road. We went down the wrong road. I'll name, okay, I'll name one that I didn't really like, that Yak album. This album by, by this dude just named Steven. That was recommended to me by someone I worked with. I didn't like that at all. Well, you told me that, and I, I chose not to listen based on that yep. recommendation. But basically what we decided, listeners, was that this listening was not sustainable. And <clears throat> for the last several weeks, we've toned it back. We've really gotten into some albums and listened to them more in depth, or at least we've tried to. Yep. And I think it's been more beneficial. So the list might not expand as much as it did for this first half of the year. There's no chance the I listen half. to another 90 albums in the second half of the year. I'm not doing <laughs> Get it. Get up to 180. It's not happening. But what it, happening. what it did was it gave us a very fair sampling of the, al the albums did. that have dropped this year. It did. It did. And a lot of the lists that have come out already, like the Stereo Gum list, some of the music writers we follow on Twitter, their lists, I've known basically every single album that's been on there. I've or if I haven't listened, I've at least been like, oh yeah, that album, yeah, I didn't really feel like listening to that. Like I've heard of it or something. Right. But the thing is, is that when you do this as much as we have, and then you see lists, and you're like, oh, maybe there's like 10 on here I haven't listened to, that's a little disappointing. It's that makes you feel a little so bit inadequate. Yeah, yeah. But, um... You can't, here's the deal. You can't listen to everything. There's too much music coming out now. It's too easy to release music and yeah. access music now for you to be on top of everything. It's just not realistic. What I've found is what you need to do Listen to the things you are legitimately interested in. Listen to the people who you trust, you know, listen in podcast or some of the people on Twitter. The tastemakers of the world. The kingmakers, if you will. Yeah. Listen to those people and listen to what you're interested in. That's it. Don't worry about, you know, this like experimental 
hip hop electronic album if you're not into that genre, you know? Right. Like you don't need to do that. If you know you're not really going to like it, maybe skip over it. Listen to something that you know you're going to like more. And I think our list reflects that mentality where correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, this year more than any other, I think we've kind of just gone with what we truly enjoy and haven't worried so much about what the overall critical consensus on things are. I would definitely say that's accurate. Um, because spoiler alert, our top ten, unless I'm mistaken, has no hip hop albums or R and B albums. So that it doesn't. It has none. We'll probably get brought up in some of the honorable mentions, but uh, but <clears throat> no, none of our top ten is hip hop. It's all rock, and I guess that is um, to be expected from two big rock fans. I mean, that's how it goes. So <laughs> if you're going with the idea of we followed our hearts, I think we definitely did. We went with the albums we really liked the most. And I think if you look at 2016 in general. You could argue that this has been the best year for rock music in a few years, I think. Well, and some of the albums we're going to discuss, you've probably heard us trumpeting many times on the oh, on the show. For sure. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be the time on the list. But, but yeah, I mean, they've defined the year for us for sure. And it has been a really, I mean, these albums have made it a great year. So, Do you want to dive in with our number 10 album? Let's do a couple honorable couple mentions. Honorable do you mentions? want to do the, okay. like, number... Mm, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna pick one. Okay. I'm gonna pick one honorable mention. Go ahead. Uh, so this one was in my top ten. It was not. It's probably not gonna be in anyone else's top ten. Uh, okay, I know which what is, is not surprising. I have a real emotional connection to this band. It's Frightened Rabbit. Their their album Painting of a Panic Attack that came out this year. It did not get very good reviews. It got like average reviews. I think you're looking probably in like the high sixties, low seventies range on Metacritic, something like that. Not terrible. Not great. However, I've said this, I'll say it again, if you like Frightened Rabbit, if, you've, if you're a fan of them, you're going to like this album. I really, really like it. Just for reference, this was the biggest disparity in ratings that Jake and I had. It was uh, a full uh, point off from each other, but that's my honorable mention. It is in my top 10. It did not end up in our overall top 10, but I wanted to shout that album out. And what I would say is that I didn't dislike that album by any stretch. I gave it another listen last night. Um, I mean, Frightened Rabbit is, is totally fine by me. I just, for some reason, it seems I don't quite connect with it on the same level as you do. Yep. So I'm trying to think of an honorable mention that will not appear in our listener poll and is also not in our top ten. So I think what I'm going to go with, I think what I'm going to go with is mm, Big Thief, Masterpiece. Mm, yep. Um, so this is an album that we got into a couple weeks ago. Big Thief is a Brooklyn-based band, I believe. They have their roots sort of in folk and just general rock. Really, really highly listenable album. Um, just good songwriting on here if you like. Um, nice sort of folky rock melodies with some... I mean, there are some songs that pack a little bit of a punch, too. Yeah. I think we talked oh, about yeah. this a couple weeks ago on yeah. the podcast. Another quick honorable mention, real fast, Sheer Mag 3, the Hell EP. Yeah. Yep. Um, not going to appear on our top 10, fell in the teen somewhere. And I don't believe it's in the listener poll, so it's worth shouting no. out. Sheer Mag is a cool awesome. band. I'm really excited for when they come out with a full-length album. So I, I guess they're awesome signed to a record be? label. No, Did you no. know that? Yeah, they're doing. They're basically like the Chance the Rapper of the rock world. They are. Just doing mixtapes. Are they the only band that, that still cares that care about mixtape? They must feel like Alexander. <laughs> That's my favorite lyric on that album yeah. by far. I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I feel like Alexander. 
It like, makes me laugh. Because like, I would never, ever say that. No. What does that mean exactly? He's talking about like Alexander the Great. That's He's what I like, thought. That's what I City's thought. so damn great, I feel like Alexander. That's what I thought. Okay. Like Alexander okay. the Great. And okay. uh, yeah, quick shout to, to what's that guy's name? I don't remember. The guy who's featured on that chant song uh, on Angels. I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, all right, want to dive into the top ten? Let's do it. Top ten countdown. Let's let's go. We'll, we'll alternate every other one. Okay. All right. I'll you start with number start 10. with number ten. So number ten album of the of the year, first half of twenty sixteen for us is "The Dream Is Over" by Pup. Mm. This is a great pop punk album by the. Where are they from? They're from Canada. Canada. They're from Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. they're from Toronto. I think so. Uh, so they're from the six with Drake. You know, they're rubbing shoulders with him. And it's and and who's to say Drake was not an influence? Because listening to this album, it's produced almost the same way as Views. <laughs> it actually couldn't be more the opposite I know. of what Views is. Uh, the Dream Is Over is an abrasive, loud rock record that has shout along vocals. B- layered guitars, just fast playing. The guitar player who plays the lead stuff in Pup, I'm gaining more and more appreciation for how fucking good a guitarist that dude is. Yeah. He he really like kind of shreds, but it's not in that douchebag way of shredding where you just play as fast as you can. Right. He's a very melodic and tasteful player, but they play fast, so he's playing these licks really quick. Yeah, he is. Like in uh in DVP, that second song, yep. which is like it has to be the fastest song yep. on record. And he has he's keeping up with these like really quick, yep. like f- just like really fast licks. So I would love to know if how they how they come across live. I quickly saw it was like a little snippet of a live video. And it was that part when they're like doing 180 down the Pine Valley Parkway yeah. and the whole crowd was just screaming along yeah. with it. It looked like the funnest show to be at ever. I'm bummed we can't go see them. They're playing the same night we're seeing Joyce Manor in Modern Baseball. They should join up and just come to that show oh, and, and be the o- know, be the opener for Joyce Manor. Dude, because Pup... So here's the interesting thing about Pup. And I guess you could say this about a number of artists, so maybe it's not that interesting. But they they in the interview they did with Stephen Hyden, I'm pretty sure... They said they don't really associate themselves with, like, punk. They didn't choose to be this punk band. It's just they made music that they enjoy themselves. And I feel like somehow that comes through. Because while this feels like a punk album, none of the, to me, cliches of punk are here. They play a lot of stuff in weird time signatures with these, like, sort of weird riffs. The melodies are all there, and it's really catchy. And in in that way, it's tied to pop punk, I feel. So what I love about this album is it's fun to listen to yeah no matter what whenever i pop it on like i was at work today i quickly went for a walk and i was like you know what i'm outside it's nice out it's summer i'm gonna put on this upbeat pup album and no matter how many times i've heard these songs now they come on and i find myself just wanting to like shout along with them me too it's so infectious The, the energy on this album is absolutely it's it's insane and i think that goes a long way in terms of it's only a half hour long but it's so much fun and it's so fucking enjoyable to listen to. It is. That and counts for a ton. Yeah, and of those 10 tracks, is it 10 tracks? Yeah. I like all of them. I would say if there's a worst, it may be Old Wounds. Is that what it's called? Which one is that? It's like in the middle of the lineup, like right in the middle of the... It's the one like, I think... I'm trying to remember the the uh, what the lyrics are. Filibuster for a minute. I'm doing a search. Uh, my my least favorite, if I had to pick, is actually the last song. Pine Point? Yeah, just because I... I think that song is awesome. It is so different from the rest of the album 
that it just the energy comes down a bit. It's a great closer, yeah. I guess. Sometimes I find myself just skipping it. Really? Yeah. I really love that song. Old Wounds is the sixth track. It's right between The Coast, which is that one about like the, the lake takes and gives life, yep. which is a cool song. That's an awesome song. And then my like second favorite song, which is My Life is Over and I Couldn't Be Happier. Yep. Um, Pine Point, I have a quick question about Pine Point. Is this biographical? Because the, the lyrics are like, Pine Point in 86, I think my brother got killed in a car accident. I I'm, was thinking that too. And it was, he's like, his best friend was wasted at the wheel. He's talking about how they were kids. So, so they're like 30, yeah. by the way. So they're they, 30? Yeah. Okay, so, so that makes a lot more sense. They're like around that age. So that I was could be was, conceivable because he would have been born in 76. He would have been about 10. His brother could have easily been six, seven years no, older. He would have been born in 86. That's where we're at now. Fuck, dude. Oh, my God. I know. Talk about time going by so, quickly. You're so right. So the year he was born, his brother was in a situation where he could have been killed. It's conceivable. How old would his brother have been? 15 or 16? Driving? So driving decent, age? there's a disparity in yeah, age. This it's is possible. A, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I wasn't saying it's like impossible, but right. I was trying, just trying to figure out the, is, the math of yeah. it. Because like this is a relatively young band, and it's 86, but they were kids, and he was in a car. Anyways... I, I like that song. What would you say is your favorite song on the album? Uh, my favorite song is Doubts, the third track on the album. E e that's my favorite, too. That song is awesome. It's so goddamn catchy. It's, uh, it's and, amazing. And when it, when uh, at the beginning, when the drums crash in on the, now that you finally figured me out, that yep. whole part, yep. it's that part's so great. Yeah, yeah, like it, it always makes me, even if I'm at work, it makes me like want to I know, jump I know, through the window. I know. Other highlights for me reaction. on that are Can't Win, mm -hmm. DVP, and uh, if this tour doesn't kill you, I will. Those are all up there for me, and I would add My Life is Over. And so, I like, we basically just happier. said, like, half the album. We did. It's really, really good. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. Yeah, there's no song you probably won't like uh, if you're into that kind of sound. Number nine. Do we want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, number, number nine. nine. Yeah. Okay. So, number nine, it's weird looking on the spreadsheet because the accompany, like, Number looks like the wrong one. I like, know. right now I'm looking it's at number hard. 10. Yeah, I know. So number 10 is number 9, right? I'm not going to read the wrong Correct. one. Okay. Number 9 on our list for the best albums so far in 2016 is Weezer, which is not a sentence that uh, I expected to be saying back in January. Weezer's uh, White Album. Yeah. So this, I, this, I think, not only will surprise us, I think it'll surprise listeners. So Weezer has become a band that is kind of a punchline at this point. That's for sure. Uh, they haven't come out with anything of high quality since you could argue Pinkerton. Some people really, really liked that album last year. Um, what is it? Everything's going to be all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. you're right. I heard that was decent. I bet we'd actually like it if we went back and listened. But... I, I actually have a hunch I'd like a lot of the Weezer stuff know, that people shit I know, on. I know. Because this is a band that gets, they take a critical bath. They just, everyone yeah. between 19, and actually even Pinkerton. So if you think about Rivers Cuomo, ever since the Blue Album came out, until like right now, this like little renaissance where the critics like them again, there was only ever bad because Pinkerton has is a cult classic that gained its esteem later, but at the time was absolutely trashed by critics and fans. And I think we need to qualify critics liking them again if by liking them you mean they're not totally shitting on this right then yeah it's not like they're getting rave reviews it's the people who are already inclined to like rock music and are already inclined to like weezer are liking this album my theory is that what happens with albums like this if it's it, like a weezer album if the consensus is like weezer's not a critical darling they 
it's just known at this point that Weezer sucks. We shit on their album. We move on. That's what happens when Weezer puts an album out. When they start putting good albums out, you get some critics who are going to be like, yes, I will stand by this album. Most people are too afraid. It's it's a it, and are sort of hesitant. They are to yeah, their they, they are too afraid, and it almost becomes cool at that point to start liking Weezer again and these other bands who, when things come out and everyone just by default shits on them. Here's a great example. It would be the ultimate power move for Pitchfork if a new Nickelback album comes out to give it a best new music. Could you imagine because that? Because that has become the go-to joke on the internet now. And just in general, it's the joke that people say even if they don't think it. It's, they say it because they think other people want them to say it. Exactly. And that's what Weezer, I think, became, especially in critical communities, it's, amongst critics. It's interesting to see those trends. Nickelback's definitely another one. You know who another one is? Is Green Day. People think other people want you to say that Green Day sucks. Or that they sold out, which makes no sense because Dookie was an insanely popular and, and like high-selling album. Right. So there's a lot of these bands that pop up where... It becomes trendy and cool to shit on them, but then you see it kind of start to reverse, and yep. I think that's kind of what happened with Weezer. And I think this is a great example of an album that made our top ten that we loved this year that doesn't necessarily fall in line with the quote-unquote critical darling whatever. Yeah, critical consensus. And yeah. what I'll say to, def to defend this point is, honest to God, this is a ten-track album, 34 minutes. Listen to it and tell me that track for track it's not catchy as hell. As you go through, you got California Kids, Wind in Our Sail, Thank God for Girls, Girl We Got a Good Thing, Do You Want to Get High, which is my least favorite, King of the World, Summer Lane and Drunk Dory, L.A. Girls, Jacked Up and Endless Bummer. I, like at least nine of those ten songs, or at least eight, I really, really, really like. Yeah, Jacked Up's great. Yeah, I my favorite is is like L.A. Girls or uh, maybe California Kids. Mine's California Kids, then it's Jacked Up. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, and there's many to pick from. Sometimes, like like Rivers Cuomo was on the Song Exploder podcast, which I highly recommend anyone listen to, where artists break down songs they wrote piece by piece, like lyrics and then instruments. He did a really thorough breakdown of Summer Lane and Drunk Dory. Mm -hmm. And since I heard that, I've loved that song so much more mm -hmm. than I ever did mm -hmm. before. It's a really great song. And his songwriting style is wild. I won't get into it, but it, yeah. it's, it's worth listening to that podcast. Nice. nice. Yeah, so Weezer coming in at number nine. Uh, number eight is... Car Seat Headrest, Teens of Denial. And if you've heard recent podcasts, you're not surprised. No. This made a, it's way So up. we mentioned last week how this, or a couple weeks ago, how this is a throwback to a sound that we don't hear very often in that it's just a straight-ahead rock album. This is something that could have come out in maybe the 1970s, but you're getting some modern themes in the lyrics from Will Toledo. They're some of my favorite lyrics of any album that's come out this year. It's dealing a lot with mental health issues like depression along with uh, substance abuse and things like that um, what what are your thoughts like you said there are a lot of lyrics where as I'm listening they jump out um, and the thing about this album is there's so much going on it's so it's long it's 70 minutes long our um, longest album in the top 10 by far an interesting note that mostly short albums, as mm -hmm. I'm looking at the list right mm -hmm. now, with a couple exceptions. They're mostly in that 30 to 40 minute range. Yeah, as I look through, there's like three exceptions, yep. it looks like. But um, yeah, Car Seat Headrest, this is a 70 minute album, and I think of the 70 or like 60 to 80 minute albums that have come out this year, this is by far the most engaging start to finish. I agree. You look at things like Views, The Life of Pablo, James Blake, these feel a little bit bloated. Car seat headrest, you could argue that every song is essential. 
the only one you could argue uh a couple songs here or there, like maybe Unforgiving Girl, even though I like that song. Do you, you could argue it could trim the fat a little bit, but everything overall I think is pretty essential. I think it's an, it, this is actually an issue of, of track listing, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'm not in the mood for, what's it called, The Ballad of Frank Sinatra, which is like the... Oh no, Costa the, Concordia? No, 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 the, the, like the, the second oh, to last oh, track. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, um, I never remember the name of it. This this comes down to preparedness. Preparedness, Jake. I mean, this goes back to our second podcast overall, or third podcast. We called it preparedness, and then we stopped naming things like that because we realized it's hard to for people to know what the fuck we're talking. It's not about. searchable. No. Uh, okay, so it's the eleventh track. It's connect the dots, the saga of Frank Sinatra. So I was um, running the other day, and I had like just my saved music on Spotify on shuffle, and this sa- song came on, and I was like, oh yeah, I know this is one of the Car Seat Headrest songs, and I was like, I. I couldn't remember the name of the song, and I looked, and I was like, oh, this is that second-to-last track that I never gave that much of the time of day before because it comes after Cosmic Hero, which is eight and a half minutes, yep. and the ballad of the Costa, Costa Concordia, I can never say yep. it, which is 11 and a half minutes. And this song itself is six, um, So, but even that song There's is pretty There's a great, great part of this song, right? That what's, uh, It's like... Um, God, I was listening to it today, and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is a late-run gem on this album. There's this cool part in the middle. Anyways, the whole album's really, really good. My Some of my favorite songs on it, Drunk Driver, Killer Whales, mm-hmm. uh, Fill in the Blank, Destroyed by Hippie Powers. Um, my Uncle. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you really threw me off there for a second. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I think some of my favorites are the ones you mentioned. Um, Fill in the Blank is up there for me. Um, as is Cosmic Hero. Um, I love Vincent. I don't hear a lot of buzz about Vincent. Vincent's one of my least favorites. I love that song. I love 1937 State Park. That's, that's another one of my favorites, yeah. I guess I'll stop there, but I, I really pretty much like all these songs. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. This is a uh, a really really good album. We think we talked about it a little bit on the last episode or was yeah. it the previous one. Yeah, one or two episodes ago. So today, actually, I I wanted to find that version. So the whole rhetoric around this is the on the song "Not What I Needed." It was the whole controversy of he sampled um, "Just What I Needed" by the Cars and ended up having to destroy those records and the CDs and re-record that song. Mm-hmm. I did some Reddit deep dives today. Did you find it? Found it. The riff is basically the s- same at the start. It does that like, dun-dun, like that, You're right. that thing to start it. Dude, other than that. Oh, and the it's not the way you cut your hair part. Like, oh, okay. That is kind of ripped off. It's a better song, the the, f- the original version. It is with the car stuff. I, I really wish they kept it the same. <sighs> it's a bar. Yeah. The thing I really like about Vincent, to jump back to that song, um, is I love the lyric, uh, there's a portrait of Van Gogh on the Wikipedia page for uh, clinical depression. I looked it up, it's actually there. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great example of some of the lyrics on this album. cool lyrics, yeah. awesome, yeah. That stick out, and you're like, what is he talking about? Portrait of Van Gogh? And you're like, oh, on on the Wikipedia page for clinical depression. You look it up, it's really, it's there. Um, yeah, this guy Will Toledo is, is a is a, a real talent. I'm looking forward to, and he's prolific too. That's the thing. Yeah, he keeps coming out with with album after album. And I, they're all like over an hour long. Yeah, well, I don't understand where he's coming up with all this material. I don't. I don't either. Am I, I up? Either. You are the up. Next one, number seven. What do we got? At number seven on our list, we have an early entrant. This is like 
I think the first podcast we had where we were really proud of it, and it really, yeah. uh, I think we got a decent amount of listeners. We talked about this album and this man's death, sadly. This album is David Bowie's Black Star. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Sean, it's been months. This is an album that feels like it came out in a different year. It's, you know, it's hard to even really remember. So I, I did go back recently and I listened. It's just as good as I remember. It's so good. It holds up. It, it really... Most albums that come out that early in the year end up getting unfairly ranked lower. This one, not the case. I think it, it totally deserves its spot. And the reason it feels like it came out so long ago is it, it really did. I mean, it's June 21st uh, as of this recording. This album came out on January 10th, I think, or like January 8th. Yeah. Didn't come out on his birthday and then he died two days later. Yeah. Some, some weird thing yep. like that. Um, I listened again, too, because uh, it had been a long time and I, I had to... I sort of, you know, we listened to a lot of music, so I had gotten away from this. I hadn't listened in a while. Um, and But as I was ranking it yesterday, I was like, I'm not going to short shrift this no. because there's a tendency to January albums get the shaft a little bit when you're trying to rank them. And I was like, I know I like this album enough to give it the time of day. And so I, I rated it, and it was like I, I skewed it a little high. And I, I uh, like, what did I give it? I think I gave it a 9.34. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I went back and listened to that. I was like, I'll I'll double check if it really like deserves the score. After listening, I, I for me, I, I totally feel mm-hmm. like it deserves all of the critical acclaim it got. I agree. The songs here are, are great. And the the problem is, is like there's that argument about what death does to cr- critical acclaim. So a, a great example is like Heath Ledger as the Joker right. in, in The Dark Knight, where he ended up winning an Oscar posthumously for his performance as the Joker. Part of that discussion was, well, is that just because he died? And that said, I truly don't believe that's why this album's so good. No, and the thing is, this album came out while he was still alive. That's right. And I remember we listened. We're like, this is really good. Yeah. And then it put it into a new context and a new light once he did end up dying. Because all the songs are about death. Right. And That's part of what's so brilliant about it. That also made it like an artistic piece in and of itself was the fact that, um, you know, he did die. So... Still really, really good, even without those circumstances. It was an album before he died about death, which yeah. was which made it like pretty incredible. The songs on here are so good. I like uh, what is it, girl? Uh, what's the one? Uh, we're, the preparedness is biting it in the ass this episode, dude. <laughs> because I gotta, fig- I don't remember the the tracks. Okay, is it "Tis a Pity She Was a Whore"? No, it's "Girl Loves Me." It's so catchy. Yes. It's the one that sounds like a hip hop song. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, the fuck yeah. did Monday go? That yeah, song is yeah. awesome. Black Star is an epic. Lazarus, Lazarus is great. I got a new appreciation for Lazarus today when I was listening again. For some reason, when this album came out, um, I knew it was great. It was the one everyone was talking about, other than Black Star. But I never liked it as much as other people seem to. Today, I it, it like clicked. I was like, oh, yeah, I have of that course. in my. That's actually like the representative representative I have in my best songs of 2016 playlist that I keep throughout the years. Lazarus from this album, you just because you can kind of listen to that on its own. You know what song I also really, really love is I Can't Give Everything Away. Me too. Yeah, that, that, that and Lazarus, those are, my two, those are my two favorites on this album. I Can't Give Everything Away has just... And, and it, the, the whole album is like this, where the tones, the way this album's recorded, the like the electronics he mixed in, the sort of uh, jazzy instrumentation and the horns, it all comes together pretty perfectly on that track specifically. Um, Agreed. Yeah, love that album. So coming in at number six is Radiohead. A moon-shaped pool. So, if you had told me, Jake, that when this album came out, 
it would only end up at number six in our top 10, I would have been pretty surprised. We had a conversation about this last week, actually, after we did the podcast, about how we were kind of freaking out a little bit about our perception of this new Radiohead album. We were thinking, am I only enjoying it as much as I do because it's Radiohead and I'm, I feel like I should, or am I not enjoying it enough because I can't get out of my own head because it's Radiohead and I feel like I should be enjoying it? And the thing that I can appreciate and fully know is that people are listening to this right now and they're thinking, Jake and Sean are literal madmen. They're insane yeah. if they worry about this while they're listening to music. And you know what? Maybe we are. But for me, a Radiohead album is very important. There are certain artists where when they drop an album, I place a lot of importance on that. And we did a whole podcast about this, uh, this album. Yeah. Um, like, we don't even need to really, like, talk about the album. I want to talk about this perception. That's exactly it. I, we don't need to talk about the music, which is all, it's really, really good. But it's it's been difficult to listen to this album and in any way try to assess it objectively, which I you could argue is an impossible thing anyways with music, but we can try. And the problem is, it's just what you said. Whenever I'm listening to it, if there's a moment that feels a little dull or something, on another album, I would just be like, oh, okay, this is just one of my least favorite moments. It's still a great album. With Radiohead, there's this expectation that every moment must matter mm-hmm. and everything has to be mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. because they have that precedent. If you listen to it in Rainbows, if you listen to a Kid A or, you know, OK Computer, they're pretty much spotless. And so they've set that precedent for themselves. And so it is the question of, do I like it because it's Radiohead or am, or am I actually liking it less because it's Radiohead? Because I th- I'm sort of accounting for it differently and not allowing myself to just shut up and enjoy it. Yeah, and you can't argue that this album isn't great. It's It's obviously... Like so well put together, yeah. it sounds great throughout. With a lot of great songs, it yeah, it just feels sterile in how amazing it is or how great it is. It, it's almost so good, it's lacking any sort of emotion. It's like Radiohead by the numbers. It's like a robotic version of Radiohead. It to me, you could argue that, or you could make the argument that it's like. A LeBron James situation, who we just yeah. saw go off in Game That's Seven right. of the Finals and and basically win a championship with Kyrie, but by himself. But the thing is, is like sometimes there are bands that do things so well, like some athletes, where you if you've been used to it, say it's LeBron, we've been used to it now for 13, 14 years. He's a great player. Radiohead has been the marquee rock band in the world for the better part of two and a half decades. Yeah. Like a long time. Our whole life, Radiohead has been making important music. So at this point, Radiohead su- surprise releases an album. All you're ever going to do is is you can't appreciate it for what... It, you can't appreciate it like another band released it. It's impossible. No, you can't. And I think that all has to be taken into account of how you assess and treat this album, though. Because one of the things that we've talked about before and that I love about music is the emotional connection and just that pure enjoyment you get out of it. Like, I enjoy listening to The Dream Is Over by Pup a a significant amount more than I enjoy listening to A Moon-Shaped Pool. However, I know in my head that A Moon-Shaped Pool is quote-unquote better. Well, that's the whole thing. So, like, say you take The Dream Is Over by Pup. I enjoy listening to that album more than, say, Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. 
or you know more than than you know any sort of there are probably several classic albums that are long epics that I would rather listen to a thirty minute pop punk or just pop album, and that's where the discussion of like what is better, what makes right. better better, um, and so with Radiohead it's interesting because I think we did it justice on the podcast. I think we. In my opinion, my opinion about the album still holds. I still think it's as great as we said. I think that it's tough with Radiohead to assess it accurately somehow. Yeah, and it's not. It's a it's a different kind of album. I mean, some people have said that it sounds like um, Radiohead just doing exactly what everyone wants. I always I thought when I listened to this, they were doing some really new, interesting things. The way they're recording strings, the sound of the sort of the jazzy pianos on here. I, I thought they were doing some different stuff. It seems the rhetoric around this album is like, oh, it's like a greatest hits Radiohead. I, I never totally felt that way. I think it's it's, I think it's very Radiohead. I think they're sure. doing enough new things with the strings and stuff like that. But we talked about this on the podcast. They have a lot of songs that they're recycling, so of course it's going to sound like older Radiohead too. Right. But the thing is, I think it's the most beautifully recorded album they've maybe ever done. Or it's like it's up there with something like in Rainbows, which I think yeah. sounds really nice. The sounds on this album are recorded so crisply and so so nicely. I think it's okay to understand that it's great and maybe just not enjoy it as much as past Radiohead albums. I think that's a and the thing is, this the further out we get from it, the more context we're gonna have. We're gonna understand it better. We're still only a month removed from it coming out. Yep. And we're going to have a lot more understanding of it once a few more months have passed or years have passed as well. I think this is also a product of having <clears throat> needing to have a, a, a take yeah. and an opinion on it right away. Yeah. That's doing a Radiohead album a disservice. It's not helping. You, you took the words out of my mouth there because the point I was going to make was that we kind of did everything wrong with this album. Yeah. We did a podcast about it, and talked about it in depth, track by track, broke it down two days after it came out. We listened to it however many times it took for us to get to a point where we were comfortable enough to do a critical, objective, sterile analysis yeah. of it. And and say what you will about that, but it kind of will ruin albums yep. for you. Because you sit there and you're like, I kind of know this really well in a way that I don't want to know music. Because yeah. I don't feel like I'm discovering new things. I don't feel like when I'm listening, I'm experiencing it like an album, and that's how I felt um, today, actually, when I was listening to Life of Pablo for the first time since we did that breakdown podcast. Yeah. I was like, you know what? There's little things here that I really enjoy when I'm just listening for fun. Yeah. And I feel like that might be the case with an album like this where this might be a grower later in life. Yeah. It's very much an album of, of themes of sort of moving on, mm. like kind of death or transition. This is going to be a Radiohead album that hits you at the right place, right time. And it's going to become important at that time. It's just not where I'm at right now. And, and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. And trying to force it is a tough thing. For me, this basically ranks this highly just because I know it's great and it sounds really good. Yeah. It's not necessarily for that emotional connection yet. So but remove emotional connection. You at least enjoy songs oh, on this, Oh, right? of course. Yeah, okay. of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there are some that I don't always love. I'm not always loving. Full stop. I'm not always no, loving. No, I'm not. No, I I realized that today. I was like, full stop. Oh, okay. It's 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 okay. Like but, Tink, Tinker Taylor. That yeah, one. those I'm are the like, two. Uh, okay, those are the two. But other than that, I like really really enjoy every song. There are some I actually love. Me too. Um, 
but yeah, it's something to do with I think the way we listen to this. Okay, actually, if you want to talk about emotional connection, the biggest connection I have is True Love Waits. That sure. song makes me feel shit. Yeah, that is the one on there where I really, really like have a connection to. The rest, not so much. For me, that happens at points on Burn the Witch, at points on Dexstark, and for some reason, the numbers. I love the way that the strings crash in on that one. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I that one. Stirs me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In some uh, way. You want to dive in with our number six? Is there a no, it's our number five. Five, number five, sorry. Yeah, number Radiohead f- was number six. Yeah, it was. So this one, I think, will be a surprise yeah. to people who are listening because we've mentioned this album, but I don't think we... These gave... next two might be a surprise, actually. That's true. I don't think we've given anywhere near an indication of, of how highly this might rank. So the album is Light Upon the Lake by Whitney. Um... An album that came out this month, within the last three weeks. And it's already in our top five. It, right now, based on my ranking last night, which I considered until the bitter end changing because it just, it I because it looked wrong, mm. but I decided just to keep it. Whitney, right now, is my second favorite album of the year, according to my ranking. That, I saw that, I saw your rankings today, I love that, and that's a perfect example of us not, like you said, it looked wrong. Yeah. I think that's... Good that you identified that that's kind of bullshit and that you just left it because nothing's wrong about how much you enjoy an album or where it's ranked. I do the same thing. I thought the same thing with Radiohead in particular. I'm like, oh, this should be higher. It looks wrong. Like, well, what am I doing? This is a perfect example of us kind of branching out, just really feeling an album, living with it, enjoying it for what it is. I've loved this. This is the perfect Warm weather summer album. I the the real breakthrough moment I had with this was it was about a week and a half ago. I was on my way to a hike. Beautiful day out. Had the windows down. I was driving down some back roads, and you know I had golden days coming mm-hmm. on, and these just bright happy guitar licks yep. are, are coming through. Mm-hmm. And I was I had a moment actually. We were talking about this before. It's hard for us to be present. I had a very present moment while listening to this album on a nice day. It's a really good memory for me, and that's super important, and that's why uh, it ranks so highly for me. What it comes down to with this Whitney album for me is it's just... the I just love really everything you could love about the way it sounds. Like, I really love the way this singer sings. His falsetto vocals are great. They have honed in on this country rock sort of 70s, uh, sunshiny, soft rock sound. But they're writing really good songs, and they're recording it pretty perfectly. The guitar tones on this album are are beautiful. They're this perfect amount of, of fuzz and twang. Mm, yeah. And it's just this nice... I think the songs stand up, because the tendency for an album like this is you hear, it's it's like an album, oh, it's about, it's summary. That's all it's about. No, 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 no. No, the songs on here are great. And I have listened to this album so much... I got into a habit where I would pop it on every single day yeah. in the morning. Nice. Um, and and I had a similar experience. I was driving with big friend of the pod, Mary Kate. Uh, we were driving back from from Conway, New Hampshire, which is up north. For anyone who's listening out of out of state, which I hope it are are many, um, it's like the sort of vacationer part of the state. And uh, we we're driving those sort of windy back roads with the woods. And uh, yep. this mu- I popped this mu- this album on, for that. and it, it fits so well. And I don't know. That and the thing is, we talk about how it didn't feel right. But when I did my rankings, I like typed in the scores, and 
uh, sorted it on the spreadsheet and it popped in. I was like, ooh, that's second. I was like, I'll have to change that. Like, and no, I, and why? I, why? And that's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, no, fuck it. I'm keeping it. Yeah. I was like, I love this album. Yeah. And right now I'd rather listen to it and, and we'll see how it fares through the end of the year. I have a feeling it's going to be a good fall record too. Oh, I think it will because the music video yep. for No Woman was them up at this cabin in the woods just like hanging out, like drinking beers, throwing hatchets at trees. It worked so well for that kind of dark, cool, foggy fall vibe as well. Like imagine it's early October. Ooh. It's the leaves are falling. It's like a little rainy day, and no woman comes on. I know that's that's also perfect fall music too. I think this is gonna kind of last throughout the year for us. The other good thing is this is a perfect album that you can put on at a party or a get together when you're hanging out with people, and other people are gonna like it too, even if they've never heard it. It's very inoffensive in that way, yeah. But it's still really really good. Which is usually that's why this is so weird. Because usually the album that's inoffensive, usually the album that like you could kind of just play it and anyone would enjoy it, is not going to be an album that ranks this highly for me or us or on a list. I don't expect this to be that high on critics' lists. Um, yeah. it'll it'll factor in. You'll see it. It'll be like in the forties on a top fifty list right. or something. Um, like this is an album you can play in front of your parents and they're yeah. not going to say anything about it because they'll think like some seventies band yeah. is on. Yep. This is a, another interesting point to me is that we were just talking about Radiohead. Talk about albums we listen to in opposite ways. Oh, Whitney took God. me by total surprise. Yeah. I saw a positive review of it, I and I started listening, and I was like, oh, I love the guitars on here. I love these melodies. The horns on here are awesome. Yeah. And just slowly it happened. I was like, all of a sudden, I, I'm fully on the Whitney bandwagon. And, and you know what is we allowed this album to seep into certain parts of our life, and now we already have memories associated with this album. Good memories. Yeah. I can't say I have strong memories associated with anything about Radiohead. Of all the albums, uh, not all. Of most of the albums on this, even in this top ten, it's the one I've been, the, it's been the most organic in terms of yeah. listens for me. Yeah. Where it just fits in my life, and I, I really want it. That's the thing with Radiohead is like, we listened at least early on. It was almost felt like homework, and it, yeah. not that we didn't would not want to listen to a Radiohead album, but you know what I mean, right? Like right. how we were like we have to do this, and we have to develop our takes on it. Right. I didn't think that with Whitney. I was like, maybe we never talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. Maybe I never even really think about this album again. But I'm gonna I'm enjoying it, so I'm just gonna keep listening. Yep. And here it is in our in our top five. Top five. Yeah. Yeah. As of June, this came out June third. It's June twenty first. It's in our top five. Yeah. It passed could, Radiohead. It passed could, David it Bowie. It could get higher. It passed Car Seat Headrest. Yeah, I know. It could It could still get higher. I mean, that's know. that's on the back of my very high rating, yeah. I think. Yeah, but, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's, you, still you, gonna, it's still going to rank pretty high. You rated it highly as well. I did. I did. But seriously, listen to this record this summer. People who are... It's half an hour. That's yeah. the other thing, too. We love the short, <laughs> short albums. That they, helps. They also don't waste a song. They don't. I like every single song on here, even my least favorite. I still really, What's really like. What's your least favorite? Um, it's the one before the instrumental track. It's uh, my my least favorite is the the second to last track. It is, I think it's Polly. Oh, I like. Uh, so for me, it's um, I think it's on my own. Okay, on my I own. Think. Yeah, I yeah. love Red Moon. I do too. Red Moon is just a little instrumental. It's jazzy as it's hell. Very yeah. jazzy. The, the the I think one member of Whitney. It's two members. Um, we've talked about them on the podcast. They were from the Smith Westerns, um, and one of them was also in uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Thank you. And um, 
one of them plays like the horns on here. Yeah. And uh, so many, just all the tones on this album make me so happy. Me too. And I could go on, but we can't. But but so yeah, on my own might be my least favorite. I think my favorite, it's between No Woman, uh, Dave's song, mm-hmm. um, Golden Days, and No Matter Where We Go. So one of those four. Yeah, my mine are No Woman, Golden Days, No Matter Where We Go. Oh, good. No matter where we go has risen for you. I yes. thought before it wasn't. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Who's to say? Uh, all right, let's move on to number four. And this might be a surprise as well. I think this is... I think Whitney and this album are going to end up being kind of pillars together and in I'm, terms of surprising albums that took us by surprise. And I'm going to keep building the tension before you announce it because this is an album that has been out for a while. And I think we've talked about it on the podcast, but we certainly didn't have a track by track breakdown. Hell no. We certainly didn't dedicate like a 20 minute segment to it. No, no. Um, but we've discussed it. What album is it, Sean? This is number four, Frankie Cosmos, Next Thing. So this album, when it first came out, I listened to it. It had a best new music from Pitchfork. I had heard a lot of hype about it before it came out. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be one of the first great albums of the year. I listened to it. I didn't get it. I didn't fully get it. It's only 27 minutes long, and there are a lot of short songs on here. I was like, yeah, that was fine. It was good, but I don't I don't know. And I made it a point to sit here. I remember sitting. I was on, sitting on this very couch, Jake, and I said, I'm going to listen to this album until I like it. And I listened, I think, four times in a row. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, this is awesome. That's- and sometimes you just got to put your head down. And get your lunch pail, get, put on your hard hat, punch the clock, and listen to a Frankie Cosmos album five times in a row. <laughs> oh, it's only 27 minutes. You can do that. And it's an album that's 27 minutes. Well, Spotify says 28, Sean, so you got to get your Whoa, facts straight. Sorry, sorry. 28 minutes over 15 tracks. Yeah, so if that's you're averaging in, less than two minutes a song. Yeah, so if that's not an indication, these are some short songs. And basically, my impression when I saw the positive reviews and when I first listened, I remember texting you and I was like, is it just me or are you not really feeling this Frankie Cosmos album? I was album? all in. I was with you on that. And I, I totally felt like, yeah, maybe I won't listen again. Something about the aesthetic of it, they're these little vignettes, they're these little mini songs with just catchy lo-fi recorded guitars um, and Frankie singing these totally infectious melodies, these little hooks it's, that get yeah. you. And it's one of these albums that has... It's sort of a, I don't know if it's the right word, but like a pastiche feel, like sort of like it just many different ideas, sort of one after the other. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what people talk about with uh, Guided by Voices, where it's just like yes. short little snippets yes. of ideas move on. Yep. And what ends up happening is they're all earworms. And an album like this, this is what I've noticed with these types of albums, because I would say that this is definitely a type of album. It um, is at first, it's impossible to get your head around, because yeah. you're like, I, there were so many yeah. little ideas, few of them were fully developed, it seems, in the traditional way of thinking about it. So I don't know what to make of this record. But but as those little melodies get stuck in your head, as they hook you, you more and more like, okay, I, I have to listen to this yeah. album some more. And that's what happened to me with this album. That's exactly what happened to me as well. You summed that up perfectly. The other thing I love about this is you said the little melodies, and you're absolutely right. Those don't hit you right away. This isn't like over-the-top bash you over the head pop songs. These are little things that happen over time. They snowball and then they start to, to really hook you. The other thing I love are the lyrics on this album and the kind of the storytelling. I've said this before, I think about it, is it's like she's letting us into her life and showing us these private conversations or experiences that you don't really get otherwise with albums or, or, or with, with lyrics. A lot of other ones will just be straightforward storytelling. These are more like 
I'm talking to someone and you just happen to be listening in on it. Yeah, it gives it a really cool feel. Um, The other thing I wanted to say about it in terms of the songwriting, I can't remember who I heard talking about this. It was on a podcast or something. Someone talked about how there's a, a really, there's an art to be discussed about writing simple songs well. Because you can write a simple song and have it be inconsequential. Mm-hmm. And certainly, if you look at a track list and you see songs that are a minute and a half, two minutes, and they're simply written, they're not you know fancy by any stretch, just like sort of three, four chord songs with little melodies, you probably think, okay, that, that album's not going to be that great. There's a real art to writing simple songs. Well, I think Frankie Cosmos nails that. Agreed. She, she just writes these like, I don't know, it's almost like a, I don't know how to, com- who to compare it to. Like a Randy Newman or something, like artists who write these sort of fun, concise songs, and when you like it, listen back, you realize there's more going on than you thought, and that mm-hmm. it's really well done. Mm-hmm. All I can say is this has become one of my most listened to albums of the year. Yeah. Um, number three, Jake. Yeah. Number three. Ooh. <laughs> Just pulled the spreadsheet up. So the talk about. Like the opposite of what we we've we've actually this is interesting this list has worked out so that there's a lot of opposites back in like mm-hmm. Radiohead and Whitney were opposites mm-hmm. now Frankie Cosmos and our number three album are, are going to be sort of very different it's the Hotel Years goodness um, I mean we've discussed this at some length we have we have we talked about this in depth a, a bit we talked about them in the context of the emo scene what an interesting band the Hotel Year is so. I, I honestly don't even know where to like begin because the way that I, I I've gone through I think three stages of, of liking this album. What's stage one? The first one when it first came out was I was actually pretty blown away by it. I was like, wow, this is this is great, amazing. Um, this is amazing. I'm really really enjoying this. I have a good emotional connection to it. The second wave was a little bit of backlash from me where I. I I read that Stereo Gum piece on Christian Holden. He's an interesting guy. To we heard least. some other stories about Christian yeah. Holden um, that didn't sit well with me necessarily. And I was like, uh, it kind of colored the album in a negative light a little bit. I ended up leaving it alone for a week or two. I went back to it. I listened quite a bit this past week. And I'm I'm back to that first wave not as much as i once was but i think i'm in a good spot with it right now really really enjoying it really respecting it it's just this album to me packs in an emotional punch in a way that not a lot of the other albums on this list do right and the hotelier does things that other bands on here don't like to me what really stands out about this album amongst many things one thing that really stands out is the way this album is recorded and the way it sounds there's spoken word pieces on here the first track is just probably a 30 second poem that the lead singer is reading there are interludes of just a sing a snare hit over mm-hmm. and over just snare drum there are little interludes of sort of guitars being strummed lightly with people singing like a campfire like around a campfire and then there are songs like uh that that are sort of epic in scope um and the songwriting is is uh really meaningful lyrically. There's a lot to unpack and stuff. Christian Holden is a guy who is writing songs that I don't, I can't claim to fully understand the context. I know that he is an anarchist and has a lot of sort of wild beliefs. He's someone who uh, feels very strongly about um, gender and the, the role that plays in identity. And uh, for example, in that Stereo Gum interview, not interview article you were talking about, 
um, I was reading the comments under it, and someone commented in, and they were like, you know, whoever this writer is, like, good article, but but you got to learn about pronouns. Like, where where's he and she in this? Right. Like, it all said they. The stereo gum. Someone like the editor or something wrote back and said, "No, the lead singer of this band, Christian Holden, was very specific with us, and he said, I want no gender-specific pronouns.' So those are some of the things that that color right. this band a little bit. And so when you're listening to, I'm not sure how much of that shines through, but I I can't help but think about the fact that while I'm listening to these lyrics, which are very artful, very lyrical and poetic, which is set off by a literal poem right. at the beginning of the album that combines themes from throughout lyrically. I can't help but feel like this is a guy who has some pretty lofty thoughts and is trying to fit those into the record. Yeah, and like you said, it's <clears throat> it can be hard to really dive into some of those lyrics, but I don't think... I think the, the emotion behind them, yeah. it means just as much as what they might mean. I think this is a situation on this album where... The lyrics can mean whatever they that you want them to mean to yourself. What they mean to you. And that's what it. That's what it means more. It's kind of like the national, where, like they write lyrics specifically to be kind of vague, so you can yeah. attach your own meanings to them. That's what I take away from this. And when I think about this album, I think about songs like Two Deliverances," "Soft Animal." Yeah. Um, I really like "Settle the Scar" a lot. Yeah, "Settle the Scar." You know, those songs have these big emotional payoffs to me that I love and just want to keep revisiting and going back to. And that, that kind of emotional connection is my favorite thing about this album. Going back really quickly to the way the album's recorded, a lot of the buzz and a lot of what Ian Cohen, who is a music writer who we've talked about on the podcast probably several times, part of the thing he talks about is like, it's the way the instruments come across in this album. So mm. if you listen to the previous Hotelier album, which is great, it's home like no place is there, it sounds more or less like a standard emo album, sort of slightly distorted guitars. Um, and, you know, traditional... The instruments aren't recorded in a way that would make you really pause. On this album, the guitars are pretty crisp and clean. Yeah. He's playing, for the most part, with a clean to slightly fuzzy tone. Um, no overdrive by any stretch. Like, the distortion is, is held in check. The drums are recorded really crisply. Like, yeah. like the, the snare. They're high in the mix. They are. And... and they there's even they've made some transitions where they sound on a song like piano player a little bit like an REM sort of jangle pop type mm -hmm. of thing. There's a lot of interesting sounds going on, and they still didn't compromise some of the energy and, and emo essence that sort of defined them on previous albums. And that one moment you reference, and when we ever we listen to this record, we like pause to listen to is that moment on Two Deliverances, yep. where it really picks up and the drums kick in, yep. and he starts doing his Christian Holden scream. Yeah. Um, not scream, but like raised more, voice. yeah, raised yeah. voice singing. Yeah, um, like those moments are still there. Th this album is in very interesting, and I think maybe of any of the albums on here, it's gonna be one that years later, like 10, 15 years on, is going to be very interesting to unpack. Especially looking back on what happens with this band, because yeah. they do seem like a volatile bunch where. You know, they could just break up soon. You in, don't know. In that article, they were talking about their differences. It's cycled through guitarists, right? Yeah, or drummers, and their their philosophical differences, and the yeah. fact that during the writing of the article and the interviews that led up to it being written, um, and it's in the article, one of the other band members is talking about how he doesn't like the spoken word piece at the beginning. Right. And Christian Holt, and in the article, it's like Holden looks at him like, what? like he doesn't know what he means. He's never heard this before. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a band, like 
Call me crazy, but that's not the best best like health indicator <laughs> for the for the no. longevity of your band. No, um, no so it does not. It's gonna be interesting, but I mean, say this is their last record. I still think Christian Holden's someone who will continue to make oh, music for sure. yeah. or art in some way. Yep. And I mean, if they do break up, that's a hell of a way to go out. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're seeing them live, aren't we? We are. We are. When's July? I'm Mid July. I'm really excited. July actually is going to end up being a pretty great month for shows. Yeah. Um, number two, you're up. Is Cardinal by Pine Grove. Ooh. So this is another one that was pretty early on in the year. I think this was a March release. Um, this is one that I can thank Jake for because he introduced me to Pine Grove. He he'd been listening to their Everything So Far album uh, and said, check this out. This is going to be good. This is going to be a good album. When it first came out, I was like, yeah, this is good. And it was another one of those things, kind of like Whitney, kind of like Frankie Cosmos, where I just spent more time with it. It started just being a part of, of my life. We listened in different contexts. We saw them live. And it ended up just kind of warming its way in and being, it's my second favorite album of the year i think it came in third and here's the thing about my rankings if you if you look at the the actual numbers they got for overall score um pine grove has a 9.41 whitney right now has a 9.43 so they're like virtually exactly the same score yeah um and you know i am certainly not gonna say that there's no chance there's recency bias there so sure pine grove i you could make a definite argument that it's better And, and that shows on the list here um, yeah, so this is an interesting album for me too because I was into, like you said, everything so far and the singles that came out before this album. I had like a week or two at work where this was like all I was listening to was Pine Grove. Right. And I was like, I don't know anyone who listens to them except our friend of the pod, Cam Boucher, who's been on the show from Sorority Noise. He introduced me to them months ago and I was like, I'll, I'll give it a listen. Ended up really liking it. So when this album actually came out, I already knew old friends, new friends. Size of the Moon, and one other, Cadmium, which was like one of the ones they released in advance. And it's an eight-song album. So I already knew half of it completely. So it was an interesting experience early on where I couldn't figure out like what to make of the record. He's like, yeah, I love this, and I've been loving Pine Grove, but there's something that feels off. And I think what it was was there was no sense of discovery. Right. It was like, and there was a jarring transition between Song I Know really, really well yeah. and Associate Not With This track list. And then song I'm learning for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then switching back and forth and making those transitions. As that subsided, it's definitely come into its own and I've, I've appreciated it much more for what it is. So even though this is only, I think, eight songs long and about, again, 30 minutes like a lot of the other ones. It's that on hot here, spot. I discover something new almost every time I listen to this and something new that I enjoy. Whether it's lyrical or, or, or musically, sonically, whatever it might be, I kind of discover something new, which is rare for for an album I've listened to that much, uh, and I'm still discovering things, and it's still just as enjoyable. And and all the songs hold up, and I think one good indicator of the fact that there are so many good songs on here is that everyone I've talked to seems to have like a different favorite song. Yeah, for example, friend of the pod Bill Bouchard. We were hanging out with him recently, and we were talking about Cardinal. His favorite song on the album is Waveform, which I know Sean is your least favorite. It might be mine too. Yep. I mean, and that's not to say anything bad about that song. It's a really good song, but um, it's just interesting. I mean, there's obviously a lot to love here. If someone's least favorite could just as easily be someone else's exactly. favorite. Yep. Absolutely. What would you say is your favorite on here? Um, we haven't done that for the last couple. 
No, we haven't. Do you want to go through Frankie Cosmos Hotelier this real quick? Sure, yeah. Frankie Cosmos, my favorite is Embody. Okay. Hotelier, my favorite's Two Deliverances. And then Pine Grove, my favorite is New Friends. Okay, so with Frankie Cosmos, I go, I think I go If I Had a Dog mm -hmm. is maybe my favorite. Then for, what was it, Hotelier next? I think it is Two Deliverances at this point. It's like either Two Deliverances, yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. And then for Cardinal, I think it's Cadmium. Nice. Um, See, that's the thing. I think, yeah, Cadmium, New Friends, Aphasia. I've heard people r rattle off yeah. all of these. On the Stephen Hyden uh, Celebration Rock podcast, he said Aphasia. Yeah. And I thought Aphasia used to be your favorite. It's up there. It's yeah, like number right. two. Yeah. Yep. A lot of good stuff on this record. Very consistent. Very concise. And this is one that I have recommended to a lot of people. This has been the go-to recommendation album for the year. It's Yeah, it's a safe one. It, it is. Because it's like, it's a little, there's parts of it that are a little out there. And, and maybe if you're not used to listening to a lot of music... There might be certain parts, like some of the some of the yelling on like new friends, like right. that, ah, like yeah. that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, I think this is a great recommendation album that a lot of people can get into and can end up being a gateway drug to some of the other albums that we talked about. You might say it's a little bit country, it's a little bit rock and roll. Yeah, which is one of the lamest things I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know even what song that is. I'm quoting. I just know that that's a song. But yeah, there's like country elements, there's folk elements, there's rock elements. Um, it, it, I agree. It's a good one to recommend because pretty much, I think pretty much anyone can find something they enjoy here. Yep. Is it my duty to, to number announce one. number one? That's right. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Beat around the bush. <laughs> it's ACDC's Highway to Hell. <laughs> uh, no, I'm surprised that wasn't on Shock Jock Jock's top five. <laughs> I know. That guy's a lunatic. Um, number one, it should be no surprise. Modern Baseball's Holy Ghost. That's right. It's Yeah, if you have listened to this podcast at all, you know that's our number one album of the year. Didn't start out that way, though. Remember when this came no. out? We were a little low on it. I don't remember. Unfairly so. Did we discuss here on the on the, on the the broadcast? <coughs> we did a little bit, yeah. And, and I think what happened, what happened in hindsight was we were doing that thing that we do, Jake, where as a defense mechanism, we'll temper expectations on things. And we'll talk things down a little bit just so we don't end up, I don't even know what would happen. But Liking it less or whatever. Yeah. Or so when getting it, our hopes up. Getting our hopes, yes. Because I think what happened yep. when this album came out was that there were a couple factors, and we've discussed them before, but what happened was this is an album that split into two sides by lead singer. So Jakey Wald takes the first half, Brandon Lukens takes... I feel like we've had this conversation yeah. a million times. We have. Yeah. He takes the second half. So that was jarring because we're used to the give and take of the one track by one track they sort of switched off the other thing was Bren's half was so so slight it right, seemed right. it's like 11 and a half minutes total or something one of the songs is four minutes right so it like there that leaves four songs that felt very skeletal right but what ended up happening uh -oh. I think for both of us was as those shorter songs like once it's almost like a Frankie Cosmos. I was gonna thing. say that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's it's exactly what happened with Frankie Cosmos, where all these little melodies are are in there, and it takes a while to really get to know them and unpack them and have them bury themselves into your brain. And maybe that's what I was subconsciously thinking about earlier when I was saying there are other albums like this where there's short little songs that don't resonate right away. I think the reason is we're so used to the formula. Or related formulas of like you hear the part you're going to love about a song over and over. Mm -hmm. 
On Bren's side, he does none of that. No. Nope. I mean, except for Just Another Face, which is a typical verse, bridge, chorus, probably one of the best full songs they've ever written. On his side, for the most part, these are songs that are just sort of through composed. There's like maybe a little repetition, but for the most part, there's like quick little parts. Yeah. And then it's done, and, and you're sort of left a minute 50 later wondering what hit you, especially on the first few listens. Yeah, and on your first few listens, like you said, that can be very jarring and doesn't come across as a great listening experience. However, once you do know those songs, they become endlessly listenable. You just yeah. want to keep listening to them, and, and that's, that's what I've done this year. It's kind of the genius of something like what Frankie Cosmos is yep. doing. And what Bren does on his side, because they're these little earworms that you don't get enough of when you listen the first exactly. time. You're like, I would like to hear coding this, these Talukans again. I want to hear that song 15 times in a row. For double the length, because it's a, less than two minutes long. Right. Isn't it a minute and a half? Yeah. It's like it's considerably less than two minutes yeah. long. And some of these songs are so short that you can't help when you're done just starting over on his side, which is so much the opposite of what's going on on Jake's side, which is another reason why at first this felt disjointed to us. But I think there's a, a brilliance to it, actually. I think so, the too. I think, I, I think at, at first we said, well, I wish they had combined this. I've gone back on that. So I think I. the way that they've split it up is actually really, really works. Yeah. And I'm glad, kind of glad that they didn't. So in terms of, of kind of trends of, of time, like you said, seven of these albums are all in that 30-ish minute range. The only ones that are above that are Goodness by the Hotel Year. Which is about 47 40, minutes. 47. Um, you have Radiohead, a moon-shaped pool. What is that, 52? 52. And then you have Car Seat Headrest, which is... An hour 10. Hour 10. Are we seeing a trend in music of shorter albums, shorter songs? Or is this just kind of um, our, our bias in that this is what we've happened to listen to and enjoy? It would be interesting to look at the trajectory of average album lengths by year on like a chart. Yeah. Because early, so if you're looking at, at when the idea of an album sort of started, like mid 60s, um, bands were releasing albums that were this short or shorter. They, like the they had to. It was yeah. because of the medium. Yeah. Which is exactly. Yeah. And then as that went on, like bands got more bloated and, and you know, sort of willing to, to, record longer and longer albums the double album became a thing the mm -hmm. triple album became mm. a thing i saw a review this week on uh pitchfork for all things must yeah. pass by george harrison yep. which is a triple album first, it was the first, first one triple album yep ever um and so as time went on i bet you'd see a big spike towards the 70s yeah when people were like we yippee we can do whatever like let's just release seven lps well i think the uh, the cd helped that a lot too yep. so i think you'd see that trend also in the 80s and 90s probably honestly probably up until maybe this decade, I think you'd see that. I think you're starting to see maybe that dialed back a bit. It does, to me, seem that way. That being said, you have some albums like James Blake, right. like Drake, right. those albums of the world. Rap are, albums tend to always be like an hour long. Yeah, uh, Chance the Rapper, Coloring yeah. Book, Honorable Mention, shout Honorable out. Mention. Uh, that album is 57 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. So who knows what the trend is? Yeah. It would be really interesting to see it plotted out. Yeah, it but would. we don't have the the science. We don't have the technology. Nor the technology. Do you want to do some listener yeah. poll results? So big shout to all the friends of the pod who wrote in on a on a minute's notice and gave us their sort of top five, top ten, whatever albums of the year. Mm -hmm. What we did was we looked at the albums y'all sent in. And so if you ranked it, say, 1 to 10, your first ranked album got 10 points, and so down, 2 would get 9, your third would get 8, etc., down to 10, which would get 1 point. 
if you didn't rank them at all, we just assigned those five points. We figured cut it in the middle. And I think it it has sort of come out yeah, I think just it about out. even. So we ended out. up with a total of 36 albums total submitted. Wow. Some pretty wide stuff and a decent handful of albums I haven't listened to. Me too. Yeah, from uh, from a, a bunch of listeners. We got, we got lists from uh, my brother Matt. We got lists from Kevin Kelly. We got a list from Friend of the Pod Josh, from... Uh, Trey, Erica, yeah. Ryan, Jacob, Jacob, a lot of different people. Yeah, big shout. Oh, and, and quick uh, note to Ryan, we'll get to the your mailbag questions next week. Maybe we do a mailbag soon. Yeah, I think we maybe we at least next week start Address with that. that. Yeah. So cool. yeah, what do you what do we want to do? Do we want to read the sort of? I say let's just go like ten of them. Just yeah. List off the ten. Yeah. Uh, so list I, off ten. A one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So the tenth album uh, on the listener poll list, we'll just read them real quick. We had Beyonce's Lemonade, one that didn't make it on our list, but it, I mean it's on our it's, list. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's on the on top there. ten. It'll be in the top twenty-five. Sure. Yeah. Number nine, we had Chance the Rapper's Coloring Book. Number eight, we had David Bowie's Black Star. Number seven, we had Kendrick Lamar's Untitled Unmastered. Six was Radiohead's A Moonshaped Pool. Uh, five was Cardinal by Pine Grove. Four was Jank's uh, awkward pop song. This, this ranked is, really high. It did. Well, and what it was um, lifted by was Kevin Kelly's number one ranking, and I think my brother put this number two. They both really loved this record. A so, high tide will rise all ships. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> a, a saying that applies to this situation. Third um, is the Hotel Years Goodness, same as our yeah. our list. Number two is Kanye West's The Life of Pablo. So here's the thing. This this is number two on the listener poll. Yeah. It's not even in our top 15. Right. It's barely in our top 20, I think. It's a big disparity, and maybe that's because of the way we listened to it at first. And I think it's Kanye West. So this happens to be an album that almost everyone probably checked out and listened to. True. And kind of by default, it probably ends up in a lot of lists. That is a fair point perhaps because this yeah. ended up in a lot of people's lists that's how it got here exactly. that's how it ended up where it's at and and you know what sean there's no surprise based on the people that listen to our podcast what number one is <laughs> it's modern baseball's holy ghost <laughs> yep. uh by kind of a landslide got yep. a lot of votes high up in lists i think it was a uh, number one let's see it got one number one vote two number twos um, which is and a, and a number nine vote from someone. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was a fun experience. Uh, like I said, a total of, of like thirty six albums came in, uh, some good variety and some stuff that I'm going to check out for sure. So thanks everyone who who took the time to rank a list or just compile one in, on Twitter and, and send that over to us. Yeah, and keep the lists updated because we'll want your feedback at the end of the year as well. We'd love yeah. some end of the year lists, so keep that going. Um, yeah. Oh, stay tuned after the episode for Shock Jock Jock's yeah. top five albums of the year and an honorable mention. He's He has one album. This guy, you can't predict Shock Jock Jock. <laughs> no. It's like trying to predict New England weather. <laughs> That's right. He's he's an enigma. I mean, he rode in on his motorcycle and he rode on out his hog. of here. Yeah. That dude's wild. I think he left his sunglasses here, which is good because he'll have to come back for another episode. That's right. Oh, he'll, convenient. He'll, he'll be back at some point. Convenient. Um, but anyways, I think that about wraps it up. That so. does. Looking until forward, next time. Yeah, looking forward to the second half of the year. I talked over you. What usually happens, Sean, is you say until next time. And you, you stole it. I did. I said it, and I was like, it felt wrong coming out. 
I was like, I don't know if I should say this. You shouldn't have. You messed up. I did. It's okay. What can you do? We'll get it next week. <laughs> you go ahead. Uh, until next time. Thanks, folks. stickers on your laptop reminded me i found i was i was wasting time at work today <laughs> i was procrastinating and i found this website that has a bunch of random stickers and it was that one i sent you the snapchat of the, oh modern, the modern baseball. baseball one the whatever forever one did you buy it no i bookmarked a bunch of good stickers that i want so i finally bought a, a nalgene water bottle mm -hmm. i can't wait to put stickers on it yeah. make it my own so I'm someone who worries a lot about committing to things. Like a tattoo is a nightmare to me because I can't imagine making that choice. It's to the level where I was always worried about, like, I always thought stickers were cool, but I never knew what to put them on. Having this laptop's been a big-time godsend because I was like, you know what? Yep. I, this is something I can plaster with stickers. Yep. I'll have it for a period of time. It's a case. Yep. I'm not permanently marring it. I was never a sticker guy. Now I am. I've become a sticker guy. Like, I have some on my laptop. You're not a pickle guy, <laughs> but you're a sticker guy. That's right. Fuck pickles. But with the water bottle, I'm also going to put them on there because that's going to be mm -hmm. something that you can you could scrape those off if you wanted. Sure. It'll yeah. show people like that I'm better than them for the music that I listen to, right? Hmm, that's an interesting... Right? That's that's a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, do you think the bands you listen to would approve of that or... Yeah, yeah, of course probably. they would. Yeah, modern yeah. baseball seems like they're probably superiority and stuff. Yeah, they're probably so happy that I listen to them. They they're are? Like, yes, Sean listens to them. Fuck yeah. <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. It's a wild <laughs> that's, that's fucked up, yeah. Oh, I know. Um, I know you're <clears throat> oh, so we should introduce our special guest. I think we should. In the studio. Uh, we have... Because he's not happy with our list. No, he's not. He, you know... We have Jacques 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 in the studio to he's coming share in his, a, He's his coming top, in a minute. His top five albums of the year. He's late. But of course what are you going to expect yeah. from him? Um, yeah. Oh, there he is. Here there he, he comes is. now. Jacques. Uh, so <clears throat> you have your, your top five albums of the year, huh? What's up, guys? Hey, Jacques. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? No, good. Thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah you sure, said Jacques. you had... Uh, you had some problems with our with our list. Yeah, man. I mean, I was looking at the uh, at the list you guys put together, and I to me, I'm not seeing it here. I mean, you missed some big ones. What are you not seeing? My What's the favorites problem? of the year. I have my top five here and an honorable mention. All right, lay it on, Jacques. Us. We'd like to hear that. Okay. <clears throat> so for the first honorable mention, we have Wolf Mother's new album, Victorious. All right, this thing is a tour de force of riffage and hard rock. And roll. Let me ask you this, Jacques. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> do you only know Wolf Mother for that song that's in The Hangover? No, this album right here, I'm telling you, buddy. You got to get on it. Have you heard it yet? No. Victorious? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's my honorable mention, man. Okay. All right? No, all right. I, I, this is a total progression from their old sound. Okay, well, all right. Let's get into the top five. What's yeah, your, Jacques. What's your, what's your number five? And and Jacques, I, I can see your list, and it. I, I have, a, I have a, a concern off the bat. All right, all right. So, so number five is the Papa Roach album, Fear. So, uh, Jacques, there's there's an issue. Um, 
That album came out last year. Yeah, so here's my logic on that one, Jake, is that the this album is so good that it's going to be it's going to be in my top 5 for at least the next several years. This Papa Roach album. Yeah, this was my number 1 of last year easy. <laughs> Only album I listened to last year in fact. All right, let's jump let's jump into number 4 cuz I know you guys don't have all I certainly don't have all day. Okay, yeah, what's number 4? The new Sick Puppies album, uh Fury comes out July 1st. Everybody get out there and listen. This is a, I got the pre-release in the studio. Um, I've been really excited about this one. I don't know if you guys are into this band. I got, of course I, you're not, because you have gutter taste, right? You don't know. You don't know what's. I've what. never heard of them. Never heard. No, of them, I can't Jacques. say I've heard of them, Jacques. That's really weird. All right, number three, we got. Uh, you know, here's the thing, guys. Is is uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, Shock Jack Jacques has uh, a soft side. Oh yeah, a soft side. It, 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 it you know, and my 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 hard exterior belies my true interior. But uh, the Goo Goo Dolls new album boxes. This thing is, uh, it's a wash with, uh, with beautiful melodies and, and some nice guitars on there. I really love it. Is there anything on that album that's better than Iris? I would say the whole thing. Okay. All right. Every song. Okay. okay. And every album since has been better. All right, Jacques, so we're coming down to your, to your top two here. That's right. So, so what do we have at number two? All right, for number two, we have the new, uh, and you guys knew this was coming. You, I mean, I'm sure this, is, this should have been near the top of your list. We have the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, <laughs> The Getaway. And so here's, so here's the thing. Here's the, the, the only issue is I haven't listened to it yet. Haven't actually heard the record. But you know when the Chili Peppers come out with something new, it's going to be near the top of your list. So I couldn't put it at number one in, in good conscience. <laughs> that, that seems... Uh, all right, so wait, Jacques, so you haven't heard this album. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's your number two album of the year. That's right. Also, let me get this straight. There's two albums in your top five that not only have you not heard, but have n one didn't even come out this year. Well, and it sounds like, Jacques, that you also have an honorable mention that did come out this year, so maybe rearrange your list a little right. bit. No, I told you guys, my Papa Roach stays in the list until, until further notice. Until you got to come at the king and beat him. It's like, the, it's like in sports, where if you don't beat the previous champion, you can't take over the list. Sure. Okay, what's your number Wouldn't one? Wouldn't it be number one by that logic, John? <laughs> okay, we're going to get to the real number one. So number two is Chili Peppers. I look forward to listening to it. Number one, and you guys, for not listening to this, are a couple couple squids. The new Megadeth record, Dystopia. <laughs> oh, this thing, Dave Mustaine has not lost it. I tell you that right now. Did he ever have it, Jacques? Did, I think with that I got to go. Because I, can't, I won't sit here and have you besmirch the good name of Dave Mustaine. You, you come at, at, at Dave, and Jacques is not happy, I guess. Jacques, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised by that list. No, that's right up Jacques' alley. Yeah, I mean, guys, listen, when you're ready to, uh, to come on the show over at WXXL and uh, really talk music, um, I'm, I'm ready. So, so get, your, get a real list going. Jacques, is this the same show where you discuss celebrity gossip on a daily basis in the morning with that's right. crude sound effects? That's right. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I'd love an invite. Maybe we'll we'll hop on. Sounds great, man. I mean, thanks for having me. I got to be going. I am uh, I'm off to a uh, motorcycle rally. And that was shock, jock, See you, shock, shock. Yeah, don't close the door behind you, from, dude. From WXXL, uh, <sighs> shock in the morning. How did he know like where your house was? I don't know. Um, he smelled like hot dogs. He smelled like an assortment of meats. Yeah. That guy that was an aftershave. <laughs> a lot. Was to, like, it's like he knew he smelled like meat. 
so he had to put on more aftershave when he got here. We can't, I mean, honestly, I can't knock his list, though. Uh, I can. Oh, can you? Papa Roach didn't come out this year. <laughs> I love that, I love that Jacques rolls in here and, and has a list, including an album from last year and one he hasn't heard yet. That's Jacques playing chess while we're all playing checkers. Yeah, Jacques, Jacques, Jacques has it figured out. All right, well, I'm glad we could, we could get him in. I don't Thank know. God we got his takes. Yeah, good thing. Um, should we dive in? Yeah, maybe we, yeah, let's do the episode. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, three, two, one. 